Welcome to the Winner Circle Real Estate Podcast, the podcast for you, our members of the Winner Circle community. In this episode, we're joined by Joshua Schweitzer from Johnson Real Estate in Ipswich. Joshua has recently qualified for his diamond badge in which he brought over $1 million in gross commissions over the last 12 month period. We're gonna go on a journey with Joshua talking about his beginnings of his real estate career to his most recent 12 months. We hope you get a lot from it. So yes, welcome to our latest episode of the podcast. My name is Adam Horth. As you all know me, I'm a sales leader with the Pittard Training Group, as well as being a principal of a residential real estate agency in Ipswich, Queensland. So uh, our guest today is actually one of my salespeople. Glad to have him here, uh, Joshua Schweitzer. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be here. It's Mate, it's actually great to physically have you here, <laughs> not only the first time in uh, discussing sitting down with one of our team, but also face-to-face with a person on the podcast. That's very good, isn't it? 1.5 is. metres away. It's yes, good. we are. Yeah. We are, for all those listening and who are worried about our well-being, we are... We're away from each other. We are away from each other, but in the same room, which is very nice. So uh, just out of another snap lockdown here, uh, our listeners in Sydney are currently still in the middle of, they've just gone over halfway through their 14 day lockdown. Melbourne just coming out of one, one in South, uh, South Australia, Western Australia. It's still very much a part of our lives, isn't it? It's very volatile, isn't it? Like it's very unpredictable and you just don't know what's around the corner with that sort of thing. So you just got to take it day by day. Absolutely. Yep. So. No, it's it's interesting. Day by day, speaking of, you're back from today, you're you're actually back from having uh, about the last 10 days off, is that right? About a week, yeah. About a, about week, a week off? Yeah, it's been good to you know, switch the phone off and then not do anything for a bit of time. So um, I, I think that's important. Tell us about, that's interesting, tell us about, so, um, and we'll get into it for the listeners, mm. but um, obviously we've spoken about you a couple of times on the podcast in relation to your results, but um, looking at your last 12 months, um, you've written a little bit over $1.2 million in in gross commissions over that period. Roughly, yeah, about that. Um, What does a week off look like for a guy like you? Do you switch the phone off, emails off, or are you sort of keeping a a glance across everything? I try to switch switch off. I I know I'm pretty good for the first couple of days of the holiday, and then I find myself a little bit curious, so I'll sort of log back in. But during the day, like I'm not taking calls or, you know, answering text messages or anything like that. I'm just trying to switch off as as best as possible because Mm. I'm focused on longevity, and I think if you're on all the time in a, a, you know, in a career like this, it can become, you know, burning out in essence. And mm-hmm. I, I find taking a bit of time to catch your breath and just not do a lot. I think that's important for, you know, keeping the, the batteries fresh, I guess. Absolutely. So, yeah. Excellent. So. And did you go away or anything? Or were you just uh, at home? Just at or? home, feeling around in the in the garden and just doing some stuff that I haven't done because I've been working. So it's, it's, um yeah, it's good. It's really good. Spend time with the, the family, yep. I guess, is also good. So they um they don't see a lot of me. So I think it's good to give back to them at that that sort of time. So yeah, yeah, fantastic, excellent. All right, and mate, um, from from your point of view as a salesperson, what's uh what's your market like at the moment? How are you finding things in uh in Southeast Queensland? I think it's very good. It's very good at the moment. I I think sellers are starting to get their price that they may have wished 
12, 18 months ago. So I think there's people there that may not have been able to afford to sell, but now the market has shifted. So um, I think that's allowed them to get, you know, get the price that they need. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think overall, like we're, we're in a steady growth period at the moment. So mm-hmm. especially over the last 12 months, I think it's gradually grown and we're seeing some pretty good results at the moment. So yeah. Would you say it's as strong as, as as strong a seller's market as it was early this year, late last year? Are we heading towards a balanced market in your opinion? Where do you what's your prediction over the next six months, if you will? I I think there has been growth in the last six months. Just in the last couple of weeks, I think buyers they've maybe become a little bit more pickier than they were six months ago. So I think that is that is quite interesting. Um, there are people that are on the fence because there there is a lot a lot of supply as well as good demand. So I think it's yeah, it'd be very interesting. I think we'll I think we'll stay the same. Will we go up another twenty thirty percent? I I doubt it, but who knows? You know, there's a lot of interstate migration at the moment. I think we're 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 getting the. Yeah, the good part of that. So it's just about taking it as it comes, I think. So. Yeah, excellent. And whatever that market brings, if it is balanced, if it is a a buyer's market, if it's a seller's market, it's about capitalizing on, on that particular market as yeah. best you can with the tools we have, yeah. You can't control the market. You can just control what you do within that market. So it's just, yeah, market irrespective. I think it's, yeah, it's just about what you do, so... That is a perfect segue for us, Joshua. Thank you for that because we've actually had a field challenge sent in this week that is talking about um, the effects of the market and how we can control our actions yes. within that. So this has actually come in, um, I won't say anonymously because it's as if uh, someone's <laughs> trying to hide their identity, but we didn't have a name attached to this. And you can jump on our website, thewinnercircle.realestate, click on the podcast and you've got some options there. But one of those options is a field challenge where you can put in your name, your office if you want to. But the, the challenge that you're finding is yourself um, going through at the moment and we can just wrap it out between us both and see if um, we can offer some solutions. So the one we've had, or one of the ones we've had that I thought was appropriate for our discussion today is uh, how do you find time to prospect when you're in such a busy seller's market? We are finding in our office at the moment that not only is buyer inquiry levels higher than they've ever been, but seller Mm. inquiries have also begun to increase because of the media reporting that the market is is so strong. They go on to say, finding it difficult to service all of this incoming inquiry whilst making large numbers of outgoing calls. I think that's a really, um, I actually think that's an excellent field challenge because it's acknowledging what's going on, but it's also acknowledging that regards to the market, they want to be achieving la- those large numbers of, of outgoing Absolutely. calls. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, Josh, what about prospecting for you now? Like, do you, are you still doing large numbers of calls uh, over the, over a month or? I have, do I do a lot of cold prospecting now in terms of knocking on doors and speaking to large numbers of ownership data and things like that? Not, not as much. Like if there's a, if there's an opportunity to do something for a buyer or if, you know, there's invent or something like that, like I will go and do that. But I've shifted a lot of my prospecting to the personal marketplace that I have built probably over the last four or five years or however long it's been. So I think compartmentalizing in this market is is essential and what mm-hmm. i mean by that is blocking blocking out prospecting times whether it's your personal marketplace or cold prospecting and and actually physically put the put your mobile phone down mm-hmm. and prospect from a landline that way you're not 
um, distracted by inquiries or different code A's. You're actually focused on what you're doing and who you're speaking to on that phone call rather about what, rather than um, thinking about what else is happening, if yeah. that makes sense. So I think compartmentalizing is a, is a good thing and actually blocking out your time to say, look, I'm going to spend 90 minutes mm-hmm. talking to these people about this house we've just sold. So um, I think, it, it guess, I acknowledge it can get a bit overwhelming when there's so much going on, but you've got to look at the long game. Like this, this is not going to happen, stay like this forever. You've got to keep, you know, feeding that pipe in essence. So absolutely, and there's no important. point in managing large numbers of buying quarry with nothing to sell. Exactly them right. Yeah. Exactly right. And I think <laughs> the, there's a lot of inquiry that we're getting on under contract properties. So it's 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 you know it's you've got to have stock to replace that. So if you and I I, I use that as a a bit of a you know, prospecting strategy is actually look we've had all these inquiries on this property around your your property like this is so you you yeah. actually and you can tell buyers that you're doing that so you yeah that's that's something that i've done in in the past so more in the you know the recent you said something there that i think is worth um just just doubling back on you talked about calling off mm-hmm. a landline phone as opposed to your mobile you mentioned distractions there yeah. so blocking out your time is one thing but you you've also don't you have to block out your mental space you've yes. got to make sure that you're focused on the job at hand so what are some of the ways in which we can block out better i guess is the question to make sure that even though yes we're focused on one particular job but mm-hmm. we actually keep our mindset on that on particular that job. job also first and foremost letting your team members know that this is what you're doing. So going and, you know, if you have a group text message with your with your team, look say, guys, I'm blocking, I'll block myself out between these two times. Mm-hmm. Please don't come to me if a contract's going pear-shaped or something like that because you'll get distracted and you won't finish your prospecting. Like, yes. I think that's that's very important. But, um, it, you know, as well as your team, like your receptionist as well, so they're not putting in inquiries that are coming to you and you, you're, letting, you're setting, them up, setting them up to say, look, Josh will call you back in two hours he's, he's busy at the moment like he's in an appointment so treating your prospecting like an appointment like yes. you would a listing presentation i think is i think is paramount yeah. so um switching the laptop off as well if you're doing like i prospect off my laptop for my pmp but if you're doing ownership data or inquiry log or whatever that is actually you're doing shut, it from a physical paper from a physical paper yeah yep. i think that's important so because your laptops and phones are made to distract you. So it's, it's pointless having them there if, if you want to actually do something. So yes. I, like, I do that all the time. It's yeah. good. Excellent. Also prospecting on the road as well, like on PMP stuff, like because mm-hmm. we use the CRM um, Rex and you can get your call list every day in your, in your phone. So, you know, if you've got the app and if yeah. there's people there that you know you have to call, treating a 30-minute drive as an opportunity to, to speak to some people that you, you may not be able to have time for later on in the day, I think that's important as well. So, so yeah, using using every every sort of opportunity at your disposal, and that's the thing when you when you are busy, mm-hmm. and and we're always busy. I, actually, yeah. episode two of this podcast, Kate <laughs> Kilner said that she goes, regardless of the market, you're always, always going to be. There's busy. always something to do. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But it's finding the opportunity, those extra minutes, yes. whether it be in block out, whether it be in commuting, those sort of yeah. things, as you say, um, to to squeeze in those those extra numbers and make sure, as you say, the focus as well. And you lose your day in minutes, I think, and I've heard that a lot. Um, you know, from yourself and, and different people. But if you haven't done anything for half an hour and you like that, that's where you lose your day. Like it's not as if you lose a, a, a two or three hour period. It's these little opportunities that you miss because you're not really doing anything or you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. So, you know, or you just find yourself you're doing something else. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That's, and you got to, you can't just go and react to your day either. I think you've got to, 
and you've got to actually sit down at the start of your day and identify where you can use your time Mm -hmm. rather than just reacting and getting into the office and taking inquiries straight away. I think it'd become a a bit overwhelming. So, yeah. Let me ask on that then. So you've got to, you've got to, you just said um, at the start of your day, you have to plan that. And then you said you can't just get to the office. So from your perspective, someone in your situation that does the sort of levels that you do, when does your day start? Like mentally, when do you start? When do you shift into real estate mode? When I wake up. Honestly, like I'm, I can't say that I get to the office at eight o'clock every day, but I know when I wake up, if I'm having morning coffee, if I'm going to the gym or a run, I'll actually open my diary and look at my laptop and work out what I want to do that day. So I'm not going to the office. I'm actually doing it from, from home. That way I'm mentally, well, this is what I'm doing today. Like if I'm thinking about it on my run or going to the gym or something like that when I'm exercising, it's not actually at the office. So yeah, I think, you know, I've said this a bit, but real estate is a bit of a lifestyle. It's not a work-life balance. So that's that that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it works well. So <laughs> Excellent, excellent. So, so and you're taking that those opportunities to, as you say, yeah. look at your day, maybe work out, I can get a couple of hours of prospecting in at this time today, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if there's an opportunity on the way to work, on the way to the office, sorry, to, to call someone or call a couple of people, then yeah, I think that that works quite well. So. Yeah, tremendous. Excellent. Well, I hope um, I hope for, for all of you and um, and yourself in particular who sent through in the field challenge, um, whoever you may be. <laughs> Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous, that's right. But um, no, thank you for, for sending that in. It's a it's a great conversation. And of course, it always comes back to, to planning and foresight and that sort of things. But Everything. some of those little practical elements that, that we do um, is really great. So, um, so, so thanks for your insight on that, Josh. You're welcome, Adam. All right. Well, let's have a look at um, at our results for not only the month of June, but also for the June quarter, the quarter yeah. of this year. So um, take you through. Um, so we're going to kick off with, we're going to start with the month of June itself, and then we're going to have a look at the quarter as well to see Absolutely. how salespeople fared in that. So if we look at June specifically, um, we've got... Uh, James Coonahan sitting at number one ranking for the month. Uh, James, this is as number one salesperson in terms of sides. So we're going okay. to look at sides first, then dollars. But uh, yeah, James Coonahan, number one salesperson for the month of June, 34 sides uh, for the month of June. So congratulations, That's, James. That is solid. Well done, James. <laughs> I love, I always do love looking at these because it, it gives me a couple of different numbers there. But mm. not only does it say he's, he's done 34 sides, it actually says he's done 12 sales. So what that means is James has had 22 of his listings sell in the month of June. Um, Real estate belongs to the listers, people. Belongs to listers. Like that's... That's what I've yeah yeah I believe that <laughs> yeah absolutely so um so mate incredibly incredible stuff there congratulations great, to mate. you in the number one spot um, Josh yourself <laughs> sitting in number two there mate very well done um, twenty nine sides for you for the month of June so um yeah really really yeah. another solid performance a solid month twenty nine sides were you happy with the month yeah it was actually yeah, yeah. good good into the financial year absolutely like it was a yeah the like I said the market's doing well so you know. And, you know, similar to James, like it belongs to the, the listers and I can just, I think that's, yeah. You're the same yeah, actually, yeah. 12 sales made, which which leaves, um, what's that, 17, 17 of your listings sell. sell. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. That is Thank great. You, mate. No, Thank well you. done. Congratulations. Sitting in third place for the month of June is uh, Scott Holland. Scott is also with First National King and Heath down there led by Chris Martin. And uh, Scott has also done the same as yourself, 29 sides. 
so congratulations to you, Scott. Um, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast, but if not, Scott also recently, like along with yourself, qualified yeah, for his, his diamond. diamond. Yeah, yeah, great achievement. Yeah, great it achievement. really is. So, um, and he's been, yeah, Scott. He's been in there for, you know, well, this uh, is very consistent. Very. Like, this yeah. is his thirty-fifth time <laughs> in the in the top twenty for a month. So you know, there's there's a lot of consistency there. Clues, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I actually rang, went to call Scott this uh, last week, and he's away on four weeks leave at the moment. So there you go, away on four weeks leave, <laughs> and uh, and still does twenty nine sides. So seven of his sales went unconditional for the month. So twenty two of his listings once again sold for the month. I mean, it's just it's, it's exciting stuff. It's another reinforcement that if you if you list well and you've got a good team around you, then you can afford to take that opportunity to do absolutely not real estate. Absolutely. <laughs> so. I want to acknowledge um, number 15 for the month, though, as well. And uh, number 15, Marcus Hillier from Johnson Real Estate at Forest Lake, uh, led by, by Peter Tran. Marcus, congratulations. Actually, Marcus's first time in the top 20. Congratulations, for, for a month. mate. Yeah, yeah, so he did uh, He did 13 sides for the month. So um, really, yeah, really great stuff there, Marcus. Well well done. Congratulations to you, mate. I know Marcus is working very hard at the moment, so that's a, you know, it's a good payoff there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, very, well very done, focused. Mate. Yeah, great stuff. Really, really exciting stuff there. Um, let's move into revenue for the month. So how, our dollars that we brought in for the uh, our gross dollars, gross commissions that were brought in for the month of um, June. Of June. Thank you, thank you, Josh. You're thank welcome. you for your help. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, so number one there we've got is um, Peter Scapitus. Scapitus. I, I apologise, Peter. I'm I'm sure I'm. Re- mucking your name up there mate but peter nevertheless you were the number one in terms of dollars for the month bringing in one hundred and eighty-two thousand nine hundred and fifty-six dollars peter works with um hudson bond um led by paul kunos so Excellent. yeah congratulations peter that's well done, um, mate. yeah serious dollars in in the month Mate, number two is is once again yourself, um, second place with 169345 in for the month, so congratulations. Thank you, mate. And uh, in third place is is once again James Cunahan, so James brought in 143000 for the month of June, so some some really exciting, some really impressive dollars being brought in, um, as you said, to the end of the financial year there, so, exactly. so great great work to uh, to all there. So, A lot it, of hard work there, isn't there? Absolutely, absolutely there is. So um, let's have a look at our BDMs for the month of June. So uh, in first place, we're starting to get used to seeing uh, Joe's name at the top of the list there, but congratulations once again to Joe Niewand uh, with Smarter Property Management led by Tracy Lake. Joe... Uh, signed up 27 new managements for uh, for June. So congratulations, Joe. No surprise there. <laughs> uh, she uh, she is a hardworking BDM. She it really, really is. Uh, yeah, yes. does a does a fantastic job. A um, Rachel Martin sitting in second place, also from First National King and Heath. Those guys are having a fantastic yeah. month. Uh, Rachel signed up 18 new managements for June, and she was followed by Renee Dunstan at uh, Townsville um, Page and Pierce Real Estate. And uh, Renee brought in 13 leads for the month of June. So, yeah, as always, some great results there. No new entrants into the top 10 this month for our BDMs, but a lot of um, a lot of impressive long-term people there. A lot of, yeah, exactly. Consistency, isn't there? Absolutely. Consistency. Yeah, no, so it's, 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 it's excellent. It is. It's great. Well done. Good stuff. Um, and we move to our prospectors for the month of June as well. So... 
we have uh, not only an, a new number one ranking, but it's it's actually her first time in the prospectors top 10. So congratulations to Charlie Pierce from Johnson Real Estate, Logan West, led by Key and Brody. Uh, Charlie uh, had four self-sourced listings for the month of June. So she works as a sales associate. Excellent. And, uh, and obviously whilst not doing her supporting duty, she prospects and had four of her list, the properties listed for the month. So it's a great effort, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Doing now, yeah. numbers two, three, and four are actually also four listings for the month. The only reason they're ranked the way they are is that it works off the offices, the agency's average selling fee. So, but all of these um, really sit consistently. So, Mark Nichols, uh, a sales recruit with Fox's Real Estate, led by Mick Flynn, he also brought in four for the month. Joshua Clayton from Peter Lee's Real Real Estate down in Launceston, led by Terry Robinson as a sales associate brought in four and Glenn McCabe is a full-time home finder at Drummond Real Estate led by uh, led by Josh Kibble. Uh, he brought in four for the month as well. So congratulations to uh, to everyone who with their results for the month of June and in particular those uh, those four prospectors. So yeah, congratulations Charlie on her first appearance. Great job guys. Yeah, Excellent. It is good stuff. Do you look back as your time as a prospector fondly Josh? I do. It's um yeah. Seems like so, such a long, a long time ago, but yeah, it was. It was a. I think that was a very good opportunity as a stepping stone to my career. It mm-hmm. really was. I did it for a, like a, a longer time than than usual recruit. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was a good opportunity to to really build that personal marketplace. Yeah, so, excellent. No, we'll. we'll um, I we'll think we'll talk about that later. That yes. Into, into <laughs> more detail. Absolutely. I just want to finish off this uh, this section of the episode with uh, just talking about our results for the quarter overall. So um, this is just our top salespeople in terms of, once again, sides and dollars for the quarter. So sitting in first place for the June quarter, 2021, Luke Kunos from Paul Kunos's team, Hudson Bond down in Doncaster. Luke did a total of... 77 sides uh for the quarter so yeah congratulations luke just um a very solid effort yes that is an understatement (laughs) (laughs) um mate it's the it's the the day of number two for yourself so in second place joshua um so mate you're actually your best quarter ever so 70 very very exciting (laughs) 73 sides for the uh for the quarter mate congratulations thank you it's uh yeah, that's it's it's pretty exciting stuff. So you annualise that, and uh, you start it's, seeing some pretty impressive figures. Pretty exciting, but yes, yeah. thank you, Adam. No, well done, well done. Uh, and Scott Holland, Scotty Holland, once again from First National King and Heath. Uh, Scotty brought in sixty six sides in total for the quarter. So they're our uh, they're our top three for the um, for the salespeople in terms of sides. However, once again, a couple of um, key mentions we want to make. Peter Skipetis. Um, again, I'm sorry, Peter, if I'm not getting that pronunciation right. After this, I will find out for certain. But um, Peter did a total of 42 sides uh, for the quarter. Puts him ranked as number eight, but it's actually Peter's first time, first time in, the, yep. in the quarter's top 20. So congratulations to you, Peter. That's um, that's really, yeah, it's 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 really fantastic, mate. Congratulations. So yeah, it's a it's a good yeah, it's great. And also, I want to mention in 16th spot, um, JT, as he's known by us, but Junior Tusa, <laughs> who works with us at Johnson Real Estate at Ipswich, uh, JT did a total of 37 sides for the quarter. And once again, that puts him as the first time cracking the top 20 as well. So, JT, congratulations, mate. Um, 
Great job, mate. It's 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 been very um very fun to work next to you, I must say. So good things to come, mate. Very good things to come. He's uh in his first in his first so he's he's this is his ninth month in sales. Um halfway through the month, as you know, qualified for his, his gold, gold badge. badge. So he's done that from a standing start in eight and a half months, which is exciting, and he's uh got his eyes set on platinum and beyond, I'm sure. So I know yeah. JT's a very motivated guy, he's got a, a lot of goals he wants to wants to give to his his family and everything. So it's very, very exciting. It is. No, it's it's great to see him there. Excellent. And we're just going to also finish off on our top three rankings in terms of dollars also for the quarter. So we just I just want to make mention to number one again um, in both sides and dollars is Luke Kunos from Hudson Bond. So Luke did a total of $782,287 for the uh, for the quarter, mate. So yeah. That is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome stuff. It's great. It's great. Mate, number two, consistent if nothing else, yourself, a total of 429325 for the quarter. Thank you, mate. Yeah, really, really exciting stuff, mate. Well done. And in uh, third place, Trent Cameron from Wallamont and Nutt uh, at Mount Martha. And congratulations to everyone, not only for the month, for the quarter, but also for the financial year. I know a lot of you... We get a lot of feedback on how much so many of you are enjoying your time and your opportunities and what the market's giving you at the moment. So congratulations to uh, to everyone. And if you've achieved what you've wanted to over this last 12 months or the last quarter, you know, congratulations to you also. All right, Josh, so let's let's get into our main topic. And, and we frame this topic, you know, around... And I, I want to give the the listeners an insight into. I, I want to give them an insight into your career to date. Yeah. Okay. Because you have, at such a short period, already worn several different hats, um, and I just want to, because I think that'll give the salespeople, the the assistants, the associates, whomever it is listening to this, an insight into hopefully what your mindset were, was at particular points in your career. And they can look for similarities, parallels, mm. behaviors that they can sort of imitate or copy there if they want to, to maybe help them get the the progression, like follow a same trajectory that you have. Yeah, okay. If Excellent. You will. Yeah. So um, let's start right at the beginning. How'd you, how'd you get into real estate? How did you start? I remember, I think I graduated school. I think it was 2015 from memory. And then I went to university for about a six month period to study what I thought I wanted to do as a career being a paramedic. Didn't work out that way. I got to uni and realized it wasn't for me, but I really didn't have any idea whatsoever what I wanted to do. So um, I know at the time I needed some sort of income. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw an ad pop up on, on the internet with yourself um, to be your sales supporter. That mm-hmm. was what it was known at the time. So that was doing deliveries, attending building inspections, doing signs like the, you know. The, the office run of That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think... I, I believe I did that for about 12 months from memory. Um, and what that taught me is how real estate actually works so the transactional side of things. So speaking to buyers, you know, speaking to sellers, attending building inspections, knowing what to look for, um, understanding how the transaction worked. I think that that was probably the main point 
that that I took into my like the next step in my career, which was a home finding. So I think that was an important twelve month period. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I was very young at that point, like I was only nineteen, I was very fresh. So I was a bit naive to how everything worked. But I, you know, giving that opportunity without the pressure of having results to get, I think mm-hmm. that was a very good opportunity. Yeah, it so, gave you a good grounding, yeah. and, and as you say, a good understanding of how. Yeah, it's a good point how the transaction actually yeah. works. Outside coming in, you don't no, know. Yeah. That's exactly oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I was a very good supporter, but. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the best salespeople never are. So. <laughs> Crashed a couple of cars and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, all, that's all part of it. Mate, um, was there a point in, in when, you were, when you were in that role that you. I mean, it's okay if you didn't, but did you remember thinking, I can see myself doing this as a career, or did you just not leave real estate do you like was it a decision to stay or you just never made the decision to leave probably a bit of both mate to be honest it was i've always been obsessed with people Mm -hmm. so i I, and i think that's what serves me pretty well in my career now like i actually get a kick out of uh, out of helping people and meeting new people and interacting and that sort of thing but being around people like yourself and the team that we had at the time i could see what was possible Mm -hmm. and i could i i speaking to the team in that period, I, I worked out that yes, there was a good income there. Obviously, there was you had to work hard and achieve results and everything. But I, I could see there without any a university degree, which is what I thought I wanted to do. Leaving school, there was an opportunity to help out people and get you know get paid very well for it if you do if you do look after people. So um, and then I didn't really have any other options at the time as well. Like I didn't have a degree, I didn't have anything to fall back on except probably for my old Macca's job. Um, and I think that. I just gave it a red hot crack at the time. Yeah. So, okay. um, you know, still living at home at that point of time, I didn't really have a lot of responsibility like a mortgage or rent. And so I just, I was able to just solely focus on starting a career at yeah, that okay. point. So, yeah. Excellent. The further you got into your time as a supporter, I, I can remember, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say this so, um, so the listeners realize which way it came from. You actually came to mm. me and said, Am I able to prospect? Like, can I can I do some prospecting? Can I? And so we came up with a bit of a plan between us that, you know, obviously, of course, you could, but that, um, quite frankly, at the time where the business was, we weren't going to pay you any extra yeah. to do that. But we we made up a system that you got paid on results. If, if the listing sold, that yeah, basically, yeah. I, I can't remember the the specifics, but yeah, there was some sort of incentive there. Yeah, um, and that was very attractive to me at the start as well because I. Um, I wasn't earning squillions at that point of time. I'm yep. not am now, but <laughs> um, you know that was as a, as a fresh 19, 20 year old. Like that was very that was a good incentive for me to yes, I know I'm doing the right thing, but there's an actual reward there in the short term yep. to help me keep going. So I think that's important to get the little wins along the way and be acknowledged for that. I think that that helped me. So. The incentive side of it, I can actually recall, we paid you one hundred and fifty dollars a listing. Yeah. Um, but only if you got three for the month or something. So there was this qualifier each month. Yeah. And then you got like, you know, so if you got three or like, you know, 450 at three, but if you only got two, if you only got one. Yeah, so there right. was yeah. there was this qualifier you had to get to. So, um, but I say that dollar figure though, because, I, you know, it is good to realize that mm. at that time we were probably paying you somewhere between, you know, low 30s to low mid 30s. 30, yeah. Like that would have been your income. Yeah. And so an extra, you know, $500 plus a month it makes a big difference. difference. It makes a massive difference. Yeah. Um, especially at that point in life. Yeah. Where you don't really, yeah, you're very naive about things. So it was just a, it was a good kick along. It really was. Good it kick really along. Was. You also said there though, um, that, you know, getting, getting results and then being acknowledged for those results. So you, 
obviously you you like the you know getting a result absolutely yeah. absolutely and at that at that stage of my career it was it was the extrinsic um, motivation as well to be recognised that yes you can do this like you know well done a pat on the back so I think I think that was important and being around a good team that supported me that was also pretty pretty helpful I know yeah. if I was doing it by myself it'd probably probably be different but um, yeah that actual that actual recognition went a long way for me yes yeah. Talk to me about um, what that looked like for you. So when we say you prospected in your spare time, yep. that wasn't in between appointments. We're not talking no, about. No. So, so sometimes I bit- try to, but yeah. now I've got a yeah bit of a clip around the ears and say <laughs> do that. Yep, <laughs> so yep, go do this instead. Yes, yeah, but um, I I, well, I wouldn't say every night, mm. um, but between five and seven. So I would usually pack up stunts with with the supporter role at that time at about five o'clock, but. Probably more often than not, I'd stay till seven o'clock and actually just prospect off ownership data or just just you know call this. Yeah. And I think, you know, that really helped me. Like it yeah. really did. And then coming in on Saturdays as well, I used to do one hundred and three doors on each Saturday while I was a, while I was a supporter. Yes. Um. So those probably those two time slots were were my main focus. I think at the time. So explain that to the listener. When you say one hundred and three doors, yeah. What do you mean by that? Speaking to one hundred and three people. Um via door knocking on a, on a Saturday. So um, actually going out and, yeah, and knocking on doors and speaking to people and asking if they want to sell. So, 103 is a, is a key number that's part of our system. And uh, I've spoken about it for many years. I personally, when I was a full-time prospector, that was, my, yeah. that was my number that I would hit every single day without fail. I wouldn't go any more, wouldn't go any less. But that that's what I did. Why, why did you do the 103? What, what was it? behavior imitation was it simply that was your standard what way did you sort of i adopted that from you mm-hmm. like this is because you had a similar trajectory in your career to me so at the time i was like okay well adam did that and it worked for him mm-hmm. why why couldn't i do that like it was it's very it was very simple i was very impressionable at that stage like i said because i was you know so young so yeah. i just said well if that's what i'm gonna if that's what i have to do to be able to do that then yeah. Let's, let's make it work. So, um, and I think that's, I, I think that makes our relationship stronger as as well. Is that we had a very similar path, like leading into in leading into sales. So I, I just looked at what you have done mm-hmm. at that stage and, and sort of copied that a little bit, if that makes sense. So, Absolutely, it does. Um, yeah. And I, I think a lot of a lot of um, people who found success in in whatever their endeavor, but specifically sales, they they go out and they seek. Um, to find what the best people around them are doing and then and then sort of copy that, that behavior. Yep. I remember, you know, Gary Pittard way back in the day when he started, you know, a lot of his early relationships with a lot of now the members of the winner circle were for him taking them out to breakfast and saying, right, well, you're the best in your group. What do you what do? You doing? Yeah. And so yeah. can I, yeah. you know, how, how can I do that? So it's, 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 there's nothing new about that. No. But as you say, impressionable at, at the time and just looking for evidence of past evidence. success. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any, other ideas of what to do so mm-hmm. it was just about you know this, this works so <laughs> i know it sounds it doesn't really sound that helpful but it's it's yeah like i just did what i was told that that was going to get the result so yeah. um that's probably the the extent to it to be honest okay so. um after i can remember you doing that prospecting in your own time as you say you, you held that role for about 12 months roughly i'm with you i can't remember yeah exact but I do remember that um, you went into full-time home finding. Yes. You started getting so many results in your spare time that I, I thought to myself, you're too valuable now to be a supportable. We'll put someone else in that role, move Let's you into a that. full-time home finder. 
Um, now, not a lot of people know this, Josh, but um, when you you were a home finder for six months before going six to months. sales. Yes. Yep. Six months on the nose. And you were also the number one home finder in the country for every one of those six months, which I think is a... Um, you know, a very impressive achievement. It was a fun time. It really was. Well, tell like, us about that time. That's I'm, I'm interested in, in from your perspective as, you know, and again, for, for the listeners, just to clarify, Joshua's role at that time, all you had to do was find sellers or sit, organize um, listing presentations with those sellers and pass and them pass on them to the team. That's exactly right. So tell us about that. I... It was really good at the top because, I, like I said before, I had a really good sales team around me. So I knew if I could find a seller, put the, one of the guys in front of them, there's a very good chance that I'll, I would benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to use the old three by five system as well, which was which was pretty cool. I, yeah. I do miss it sometimes, but <laughs> um, it was a hard transition. It really was <laughs> to the um, digital CRM. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, just on that, what did you? What did you? What do you miss about that? You can, you can sniff a result. Yeah. Like you can go through them and you can you can look at it and you can take like it's it's a very hard thing to explain. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's what I, I used to flick flick around in at night or after I finished my prospecting for the day and just yeah, you could actually physically touch it. That more tactile yeah, approach and go through. It's a bit weird, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I yes, I understand exactly what you're saying. I think a lot of people would uh, would resonate with that absolutely. And I was very strict to myself as well. It was it was just to do the numbers, okay. okay? And I think 103 is a perfect combination of quality and quantity. Mm-hmm. Speaking to a lot of people, 103 a day, but if you look at that per call, um, how long you, you can you, know, you dedicate to a call, you look at it five or six minutes per call. So that allows you to have a, a still a genuine conversation with someone who's actually thinking about selling. Sure, you're gonna get the people that are like, no, like I'm not selling, I'm here forever, but that just gives you more time to then speak to the right person when they come up, because they mm-hmm. always will. Yeah. Especially when you talk to a large amount of, of people over a, you know, a period of time. Yeah. So and that and that's so I, I think I worked a, a six day week at that point. So okay. that was that was Monday Monday to Saturday, and mm-hmm. I would do Monday to Friday. I would speak to one hundred and three people, including doors in the afternoon, and then on Saturday I would speak to one hundred and three people on the doors and actually door knocking and speaking to people. Um, sure, there'd be a, maybe a, a a personal marketplace call to have on a Saturday or something, a genuine follow up. But I'd make sure I speak to one hundred and three people on the Saturday as well. Okay, so, on top of that, yeah. yeah. Okay. And that for me, like at that stage as well, if I got to 103 by two o'clock, mm-hmm. then I will go home. Like yeah. I will go home, I'd finish my thank you cards or whatever I need to do, little bits and pieces, but I wouldn't stay, at the, because even at that age, like you need, a, you need a break and then be refreshed for the next week. Otherwise it just becomes a bit, yeah. Yeah, so. So you're 19 years old at this stage, you're working six days a week, you're speaking to 103 plus people a day. Yeah. Um, getting great results, having fun, very fun. Yeah, it was great. Okay. It was great. Yeah, and I started becoming really addicted to real estate. Then, like I was, I was obsessed with it at that point. Like I was, yeah. So tell me about that. When you say you're addicted or you're obsessed by it, how did how did that manifest itself? What what did that look like outside of being at the office? That 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 addiction. Looking at real estate mm-hmm. all the time, houses, um, studying, listening to books. Um, mm-hmm. Understanding people a little bit more. A lot of I read a, a, a few autobiographies and, and things like that, and I got addicted, like got addicted to people um, mm-hmm. at that point. And um, I think real estate is a is a people business, not necessarily a house business. And I think the house is the product, but you've got to have a have a passion for people to be able to, yeah. to do that. And I, I think it really started then when I was starting to speak to a lot of people in my hometown, which mm-hmm. I think was was pretty special to me as well. Um, yeah, 
So, so from Ipswich, from Ipswich, yeah, yeah, from Ipswich. It's never. Mum and dad are still there, so yep. I'm still here. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to give back to the community in in that way. So, is that a help or a hindrance to you knowing that many people prior to a career in real estate? Do you think a bit of both? Mm-hmm. A bit of both. I I know. Like there's a there's a few listings that I've had that have been absolute nightmares because you've got that strong relationship and that friendship that have that has gone back for years. But yep. um, but then it's also easier to get into a land room as well if you're simply referred by a friend. So it's a it's it's a bit of both. In, in that way. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So um, not complaining, but it's just that's yeah, just yeah, what it it's is. Yeah, things to be mindful so, of on on both sides of yeah. there. That addiction you were talking about, um, biographies, people. Do you remember? Do you remember back at that time any key books that you read, or, or even? I mean, you said listener. You were listener to books, or you were reader of books. What are you more sort of? Lean Probably towards? more of a listener. Okay. Yeah, yes. More of a listener. I, I read a book that you recommended me, um, "The Meaning of Luck." At that stage, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, I, that was a that was a really good book yeah. um, for me at that time. Just yeah. that's by uh, by Steve Max Gunther. If you yeah. want to, oh sorry, Steve oh, you, oh, I beg your pardon. I thought you were you talking about Steve Gunther's book. Yes, the meaning of luck by Steve, Steve War. Yes, and I'm a, I'm a sport guy, so I um, resonated with, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a bit of cricket and everything growing up, so I think that was a, that was a standout at that point as well. Yeah. So. so you get what? What else can you remember about that time as a, as a home finder? What about in terms of let's look at some of the practical side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Sources were you? Did you have two or three that you focused on? Did you a- attempt everything at that time to see what stuck? How how did that sort of play itself out? The first bit of time, I experimented with a lot of different strategies and how to get through the numbers and what what people were who you would call at different times. But you know, probably the back four or five months, I had a had a system that I would that I would follow pretty religiously. Is between nine and eleven, I would focus on follow up mm-hmm. so you know personal marketplaces and you know people that you've spoken to before like that to get those calls out of the way early because they're the the longer calls and everything that require maybe a little bit more mental energy so i chose to do that while i was focused and fresh for the day yes um then between you know let's say 11 and 3 roughly um i would then focus on inquiry logs so getting people on the mobiles because i think between 11 and 3 that's when people are working and they're not home and you know people who are upsizing and downsizing and all those sort of things they've got to be able to fund that so they're going to be at not not at home so be i believe that would be not pointless but not to do ownership data or knocking on doors at that point of time. Yeah. Um, so actually speaking to people that have already been in touch with us. Yes. Um, and then let's say from 3.30 till 5.30 roughly, um, I would then go out on the doors, Yeah. Um, whatever that was, you know, where whatever I was doing. Um, and then between 6 and 7, we used to call the golden hour, speak to people on ownership database. So in, in our area, there's a lot of investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so people... Down, like down south Sydney and Melbourne who own investment properties up here I would then focus on that that time to speak to those people then yeah. so that's that's pretty much what my day looked like as a as a home finder so it's a um it's a great opportunity that six till seven o'clock because it, it gets you in touch with those people who you can't otherwise get a hold of exactly people who own investment properties you know they tend to be people in in more demanding jobs yeah. have more more going on during the day so catching them after hours is your only opportunity to, to find them introduce yourself and, and offer your services and they're going to be they're the people that are going to be doing business because they're working so hard to do that sort of thing mm-hmm. so um you know to do ownership database at 12 o'clock you know midday yeah i think is quite pointless because you're not going to get those people because they're not going to be at home so that's what i found and anyway so 
Joshua's mentioned a couple of times uh, the term ownership data. So for for any of you who are listening, thinking, "What is this ownership data <laughs> yeah. he's talking about?" That is a um, that is a product that is sold by a company. I believe they're called Winning Edge Data, Winning Edge, yeah. and uh, Winning Edge sell a product called Ownership Data, which is essentially um, a, a new version of a reverse white pages. Yet it is cleaned and it and it removes people who are on the do not call yeah. list, and it lets you know if they're an absent owner or an owner occupier. Gives you some basic information about the property. So. Um, it is a product that we use in our office. You obviously have used it a lot in your career. Yep. Um, and so it's something that is available. Um, it's it's not fantastic. It's not great. There are pros and cons to it, but it's certainly better than better than the alternative, which is nothing. So. <laughs> exactly. And that gives you opportunity to speak to people that haven't been in contact with your office before. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's in, you know, and their, their conversations, I remember that were more long-term. I think there's a lot of people that I spoke to then that I've been in touch with for the last couple of years. And now they've, they can afford to sell their investment property because they've paid so much off. So I think that is the key for building longer-term relationships for your personal marketplace. That's yeah. what I found. So give me some thoughts then on, uh, on prospecting. There, there are certainly some people around, um, there, there are some sales trainers around that talk about it. There's, there's plenty of real estate agents that talk about it. That, that talk about prospecting only for the now seller. Mm. So how you can limit your prospecting, minimize your prospecting, or, or be it remove your prospecting other than for those immediate sellers. What are your thoughts about it from your, your perspective? You've got to look for both. And mm. like I said before, quality and quantity. Yeah. Um, how do I say Like if you've got to do both, otherwise you're going to limit yourself to a short career, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and having those, putting the time in to speak to people that aren't selling yet and starting to build that relationship. I think real estate is, is all about relationships in that, that leading up to yeah. when they're ready to sell. I think you've got to do both. Yeah. I don't know how to explain I don't know what I'm trying to articulate there, but... Um, if you just look for the now seller, you're not going to have the the open and ask the right questions of each person. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. If your mindset isn't so so when you're prospecting, you're more of going through a mindset of of just introducing yourself and just trying to get an idea if they have any plans with real estate. Is that sort of where you approach it from? Or I think even now there's a question that I, I'd say all the time is when you're looking at doing something on the real estate side of things. Okay. It's an open-ended question, so it's not a yep. yes or no question. So yep. they could say never or, you know, down. you don't know where that's going to lead to. But I think that's a that's a very easy question to ask just to uncover something that may not be there. Because you can go, so if you're asking a clo- like a close question, do you want to sell your house? Mm-hmm. No, like, yeah, if they're yeah. No, if not, not looking to do something. And like even if them, they are, they're probably going to say no because exactly. no is safe. No is safe. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah, when are you looking to do something rather than, is, is this, you know, are you doing this now? It's, yeah. So, yeah. and, you know, I, I think people are, if you're knocking on their door and you're asking them, do they want to sell? They assume that you're asking, do you want to sell now? Mm-hmm. So I think when is a, is, a, is a good question to ask. What, um, the listener, what you want to do there as well is also note that, that Josh has used the term on the real estate front. So he's not actually framing it in a selling or buying. And so that that particular person may answer that in a variety of ways. Oh, we're about to start renovating the kitchen. And that is something that they have plans on the real estate front. So it doesn't limit them to buying and selling, yet it opens up a conversation. It's a real estate conversation. Yeah. And they could have an investment property that they want to rent out or... You know, if they're gonna, if they say, "Oh, we're about to do a renovation," oh, here's someone that I've been in touch with. They can help you with your, you know, electricity, like your, your lights or something like that. Like you mm-hmm. can give them, give them something. Yeah, um, you can immediately be a value. Yeah, exactly them. right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's important. And as I said, relationships. Yes. So, 
I found, again, you, you're saying some gold there, and I just want to unpack it for our listeners, but um, a lot of people... A lot of people come into real estate and they actually love prospecting. Like, well, well, maybe not love prospecting, but they love talking to people. They, they have no issue in picking up the phone, having a conversation, knocking on someone's door. But you said something then. You said it sets you up to have a real estate conversation. Mm. And I think that that's what salespeople have to be aware of. If they can go and they can have many a conversation with people, but you've got to ensure it's a real estate, real estate conversation. conversation. Otherwise, you, you are wasting your time. You're wasting their time and your own time. <laughs> exactly. um, so, but if you're having it, in the framework of real estate, real estate, that's where you're going to be able to qualify and, and see if there's there's some potential business there for you. And where, wherever that goes, like as I said before, if you if you look at it in five or six minutes per call or per conversation, like yes. there's enough time to still be nice. Yeah. But if they're not doing anything, you can find that out by using questions. Then yep. you can just you can you can move on. So they might be just very lonely and they want to have a conversation with you. But I think if you use that five or six minute rule, I think that that has helped me. So sometimes you get stuck with people. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Let's let's move on. Let's let's take the next step in your yep. career. So where where you've um, done done your home finding, your time is that you you've, you've earned your stripes. Um, you get the opportunity to join the sales team, listing and selling. Yeah. Um, what did you when you were given that opportunity and you and you started you joined the sales team as a as a as mm-hmm. a full agent? Where did your focus move to? What did you immediately start? Where did you put your efforts and energies? Listings. Okay. Things. Yeah, I know that's a very easy thing to say, um, but still prospecting in large amounts, mm-hmm. in large amounts. And I think I I was obsessed with getting as many listings as possible at that stage. So I would, I know probably for that first six months, I would list a lot of properties that's, that weren't exactly ready to sell right now, but I wanted to, to, to follow the, the process, as we say, and, and see if there's any motive there. So if there was a chance for a listing, mm-hmm. I, I would get it for the sake of my own experience and in coaching a seller and what that what that looks like, as well as you know testing the motive to see if they want to sell. Yes. So, yeah. Um, that was I was a, yeah pretty obsessed with that. So um, I've listed a lot of overpriced houses, but yes. like in, the, in that first six months especially. Um, but I, I think that that taught me a lot about that that relationship and in what that looks like agent versus agent and seller rather than um door knocker and you know, prospect so, okay okay so, yeah okay yeah. so so it's yeah okay it's an evolution of that relationship yeah. as you say so you're not yeah you're going from being that prospector to the agent giving advice let's just clarify what you mean by that with our um yeah. with our listeners so um listed a lot of overpriced properties did you know they were overpriced yes. you did okay yes. did the sellers know yeah, that they were they did they okay was. so how does that conversation play out how do you set them up for the fact that this is what we're, we're actually doing here the thing like if they, if they need to get x whatever x looks like and but if you if you're able to tell the truth of them but, but still have the the blue sky look let's give it a crack like we uh, we run a like a no sell no charge guarantee and at that stage of my career the market wasn't excellent like mm-hmm. it was a you know probably more of a buyer's market than a seller's market so um i think the no sell no charge resonated with a lot of people and if they want if, if you felt if i felt like i could work with them and they they weren't too much of a maintenance C-grade seller, if that if that makes sense. Yes. Um, we could give it a crack, and even if it's for a shorter period of time to see see how it goes. Like you know, I know you were very supportive in in that and allowing me to do that, and sometimes it resulted in a sale. So, what what do you think you got from that more than anything else during that time? Like listing high volumes of seller and dealing with all walks of people, all different levels of motivation. What did that? What did you you know capture from that? No capture from that. Um, a good question everyone's different mm-hmm. everyone's different and and you 
you don't necessarily become their psychologist sometimes, but you you have to be friends as well as you in, in some in, in different relationships. I think people who are ready to sell and want to sell, they don't really mind if, if you're good friends or not, but I think people are gonna take a little bit of time. You've gotta you've gotta be able to spend time with them. So I know yep. early in my career I spent a lot of time just sitting down and, and having a having a wine with someone or what if they were feeling very stressed out at mm-hmm. that point in that you know, building Having a wine like they're winching or you're sitting there drinking and drinking a wine. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Both <laughs> No, but um but yeah, I don't I don't know. Don't know. Okay. Don't know. That, that's interesting though you said like the friends so that level of comfort and familiarity you were more mindful of that when you thought i've got a i've got a lower motivated seller here so i'm going to spend a longer period of time with them mm-hmm. so there's got to be that blend that they're comfortable with you but they also know you've been hired to do a particular job exactly. is that what you're trying to say exactly there? and you, if you tell the truth from them at, at the beginning then you're not exactly lying to them to get their business so in yeah. terms of price what i mean so if, if i knew it was overpriced i had to make sure that i told them what i thought it was worth at that point um, yeah but wherever they start and finished it's completely up to them that's yep. something that i i used still you still empowered so, them to, yeah. to to be the one to know that yeah. they could, that's their decision and if make. you if you can prove that they know that you've got their best interests at heart it's a very it's a pretty easy conversation yeah excellent so. yeah great um that's your listings that's your focus early mm-hmm. on you within your first 12 months you did achieve your gold badge yep. So um, again, for our listeners, that's uh, either a hundred sides and a minimum of three hundred thousand in gross dollars yep. over a twelve-month period, or eighty sides and four hundred thousand in gross dollars, and you achieved it on the latter. I think I did eighty and four hundred. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You did. So um, for for you again, you, you mentioned before extrinsic motivation. It was was gold badge something you were focused on that you wanted to get knocked over? Is it just saying that happened? What what can you remember about that? I think it was something. Yeah, to get that recognition of a gold badge at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I wanted that that gold badge to be able to be thought about as a, as a gold badge performer early. I wanted to prove to my, probably myself and other people that I could do. It, and I think that was a, a good gateway to, to do that. So, yep. um, I remember I was pretty, yeah, pretty motivated by actually getting that, getting that award. So, okay. Hmm. Do you remember some of the key things that you did to in, ensure that, or was it just uh, repeating what you've done? Just kept folks on listing, working your tail off. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't I don't know what else I can say about that. Like, I, Seems like such such a long time ago, um, but I, I remember I studied a lot. Um, at For those point. listening, it was less than three years ago. So. <laughs> Starting to get great. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So. Okay. From there, from there, you, you went to platinum. Mm. What what do you believe from your personal experience is the difference between a gold level performer and a platinum level performer? Spending more time with the right people. Okay. Spending more time. So. So in that transition of my career, I remember not, you know, there wasn't a day that I said, this is what I'm going to do, but actually qualifying people a little bit more. So your time is not spent with the wrong people. And that's not just sellers, but, but buyers as well. Like mm-hmm. if they're, they're not ready to buy a house today, if they like it, yes, then, you know, don't show them, don't show them the house. Like there's an hour there that could be. So I think time management really crept into my career at that, at that, at that point. So if the sellers didn't, if, if I was sitting in front of or speaking to someone that they're not really thinking about selling, but if they can get this figure, they will. And it's astronomical, mm-hmm. astronomical, then I probably wouldn't take that business on. I think time management, probably that was the, that was the transition. So 
I think I think there's a correlation there though, Josh, because what you've got is because you've achieved some goals, you've started earning more money. You you've actually that belief in yourself that your time is valuable. Mm. Yeah. Um, you've started to understand what that means in terms of you and how much you can effectively leverage your time. And so so you're qualifying, as you say, was probably an unconscious thing, but unconsciously you know my time is better spent. Yeah. Even if it's prospecting for an hour, it's better, it's better spent doing that than dealing with, you say, an unqualified buyer. Yeah. What, what about those sellers that, you, you know, so the, the those less motivated people who wanted to be, did you keep listing them? Did you back off from them? What what Did anything change there? Case by case. Okay. Case by case. If there was something, if, if I could get a sniff that there was a, a more of a motive rather than just price, like if there was something there, I would I would give it a crack, but set them up that this is, this is where it's, well, I was pretty strict on, giving a like a definitive range at that point because I think the market was quite quite slow um, and I had to had to nail that and if I, I gauged their reaction on that at the listing presentation to whether I pursued that or not so whether yes. they disagreed with it or were disappointed I think that was yeah that was very telling okay so, so the disagreed they're the ones you'd probably more you'd probably more leave leave go to the keeper yeah, yeah okay yeah all right so the um again and and it's part of you know I train you're no different and and the salespeople that that um that have worked with me, I train everyone early on in their career to to do exactly what you did list as much property as you can in your first twelve month get your hands on as many listings as you can exactly like you just said mm. be very upfront with them about what the likely expectations are about their price, but let them know that you're willing to give it a crack and a and a no sell no charge risk free model allows you to do that yeah um. What it gives you though, and, and again, you've articulated that um, perfectly, I just want to unpack it again, that's okay. is that's then giving you an understanding in the next part of your career, you can sense what is a smoke screen and what isn't, yeah. where there's actually motive, where isn't, because you instead of listing two or three houses a month, that everyone's like a definite seller and you've got this fantastic list to sell ratio, by listing 10, 12s, 15s that you were doing, mm dealing with all sorts of these people you can start to get this idea of there's actually genuine motive here that's cloaked in in something or if it's either x or or they're not, not selling nothing. the house that's right yeah. so sometimes x is achievable too yeah like sometimes it is it's just once again it's a case-by-case person you've got to if you're sitting in front of someone you've got to be focused on them not mm-hmm. thinking about i was talking about compartmentalization at the start like you've got to be got to be focused on them because if you miss a clue or if you ask a question and you don't really listen to the answer like that could go on the market and sell like that's happened plenty of times yes so you just got to be in, in that conversation at that time whether it's a prospecting call or a listing presentation or an ao listing presentation you've got to be yeah you've got to be there so um so time management became a big part of what you're doing. You you started spending more of your time as best you can with the right people, the people you, you're going to be able to transact with, do business with. Yeah. At that point, I think I, I started, even though I was I'm, I always did doubt myself, I started to get a little bit of self-belief that, yes, like this, I, I, I'm pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. So even though I, I thought that I wasn't perfect and there were still things I can prove on, as you, I still am, um, getting gold badge that solidified to me that yes that was you know i'm pretty good at this so let's let's give it another crack and do Mm -hmm. something else so um yeah excellent did um what did platinum mean for you that gold didn't mean to you Hmm. probably it was that was probably an income goal at that point okay yeah okay so i wanted to 
I think everyone's motivated by money if they're in if they're in real estate to some degree, and I think that gave me a pretty exciting income at that point. So, mm-hmm. and that allowed me to to do things that I wanted to do on the property front as yep. well, um, in investing in in our local market. So I needed to get that platinum badge, and although that was a, I, I can't remember how many. Maybe there was one platinum badger in Johnson Real Estate at the time. I, although I wanted to achieve the things on the income level that I wanted to do, I also wanted to be recognised as, you know, level with the best salesperson in the organisation. That was that was a pretty good kicker for me because, as of when I was a supporter, I looked up and saw you know people getting decent bonuses and everything. I was like, well, you know, I want to I want to do that, and that was the opportunity from gold to platinum to be able to to be able to do that. So yeah, um, and I think yeah, as I said, probably time management was the the yeah the, the main thing from the, that shift. So some of your practical day to day stuff did um are you at a point in your career now where um like does your listing presentation how how has that evolved it obviously has evolved um i know you're someone who uses the listing presentation even now and i I don't want to go into a a hard sell on the listing presentation but how did you find though let's let's look at it overall part one part two part three the deep dive the formal presentation you're cementing the sale how did that evolve over that two-year period i think the deep dive become a I would have a lot of those the conversations on the phone beforehand, mm-hmm. so I would find out a lot about them. And if I've been speaking to them for a long time, I probably that that deep dive conversation was a lot shorter. Yes, um, but I'm all even if I was in touch with someone like at all, but always be dropping hints about the system of no sell, no charge, or what whatever it is. So when I when I speak to them again, like it's yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Um, you got better at sowing seeds yeah. over the over the conversation and and dropping little value points and unique selling propositions. Yeah, even in that, that prospecting and follow up is that what you're saying? Yeah, there? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and mentioning results and and things like that as I was more aware of the market and yeah. not just what we did, but you know what things would sell for and things like that. But actually, you know, if people own property, they're actually interested in what others are selling around. So giving giving information firsthand to those people, I thought was was quite good. So something I didn't have at the beginning because I was just didn't know. So. This is something that's always um, impressed me about you, Josh, and I, I can say this honestly. I, I find you know basically everything that's happening in our local market, what's listing, who's listing it, what it's selling for, but you never go out and do research. Mm. You're, it's back to that obsession that you are talking about before. Mm. You you are the guy who's always on realestate.com and, and looking around at who's listing what, who's mm. selling, all those sort of things. But... You know, I always subscribe to the idea that's a disadvantage. Mm. I, I, I like my blinkers. I want to know what, what we're doing and what our team is doing, and I don't want to be distracted by that. Yet you you do, and it obviously doesn't impact you. Um, what value do you think you get from that? And on the flip side, where where are its weaknesses? I think the value is having knowledge of what is happening and being able to give that to people that probably wouldn't know about that unless they go on real estate. But like actually actually knowing it and and what things are selling for and if there's something that's sold for a really good price mm-hmm. even if it's with another agent i can just say look you know this has just been sold what you know does this change your, your plans and things like that so yes and actually knowing your market i think is important the disadvantages is you know getting obsessed with the competition but I, i'm at a stage now where i look at realestate.com every day and mm-hmm. i'm i'm just 
I'm okay with other people getting business. Early on, it was more of a, why didn't I not get that listing? And sometimes that still creeps in now, but... Absolutely, um, you get demented at yeah. times when you walk in and say, have you seen such and such as listed this? I love starting my day with you telling me what everyone else has listed. Yes, that's great. But, yeah, I also respect that there's other agents out there that have also got to earn a living as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's having that, not respect, respect that other other people are trying to you know provide for their families and everything as well so you know I, an acknowledgement acknowledgement that. yeah that's probably the right word so but yeah. i think being being aware of what things are selling for is is pretty important yeah so and i do think it, it it does serve you well and that's also what i was implying before but you don't have to go away and spend a lot of time researching every single listing that you go to you have a a great i mean of course you go away and you get your specific comparisons mm. for your presentation but you already know where to look where to go to you don't yeah. have to spend an hour hour on prep for every listing no, that you go to no because i already know what properties have, have already sold so if i'm if i'm back to back i can prepare comparisons within five minutes yeah and i can just you know if yeah so again some other practical stuff we've spoken about your listing how that's evolved so we spoke about deep dive let's stay on that for a minute um so the deep dive so a lot of that you were saying the conversation happened earlier so maybe a lot of the prospecting that sort of thing what about for those call-in inquiries though code a rings up hey you've sent me a letter you say you've got buyers in the neighborhood come talk to me what does that presentation look like how does that look different now to what it did 12 18 months prior so to qualify on the phone okay qualify on the phone like you know if this buyer was to pay you a good price, what does that look like for you guys? Like where where does that get you? Not necessarily, you know, can we get this price? Is what what is that price that means to you? Or mm-hmm. what what you know, why is that price important to you? And asking, you know, what their plans are, taking the the conversation away from the, that specific buyer to talking to them about about them. Yes. So they just might be curious about the buyer, but it's just you have to work out within that first five or ten minutes on if you're getting a code A or a call in inquiry from a seller. Um, you got to work out if they're actually doing something or not and mm-hmm. asking key questions like, you know, what are you guys doing? Where are you guys going? And what takes you there? Like all those open-ended questions, yeah. you know, on that initial phone call so you can work out whether it's a good use of time to go out. Maybe it yeah. is. Maybe they're selling in, in three to six months and you're you wanting to make a good impression and, and have a have a good win over if, yeah. you, if you're in the area. But it's, it's yeah, so the, it's, it's on the phone. Like you've got to be able to qualify on the phone. Mm. So... What's interesting to me there is is twice I've tried to take you into the listing presentation mm. I've tried to talk about and you've immediately deferred straight back to qualifying. Both times you've done that to mm. me just now. You've and so you you you're showing me and you're demonstrating to the listeners here you are serious about quali- qualifying your time. Yeah. So um, do you in that respect? Yeah. Are you going out to less lounge rooms or are you? going out to the same amount but with different expectations you just mentioned winovers there yep. so how important do you feel it's to go out and see someone face to face if they're three to six 12 months away i think it is important if it's within the next 12 months so they can put a face to you and if they've got definite plans that say look we're moving to this place because of this reason and yes. it's not just price i think to go and actually put a face to, to the name of that point when they're leading up to it and make a really good impression mm-hmm. that way when they are ready to sell, you've already met them. Yes. Okay. So I think that's important. Like I've, I've always thought that if you're if you've met someone on the doors and yes. you've actually put a face to the name at the doors, it's it's a much easier conversation when it comes time to list because they're comfortable with you and things like that. They actually know that you're a person, yep. rather than just a you know a sales a salesperson. You know. Yeah. You know absolutely. I mean. um, but yeah, I think yeah, I, I I do go out to still 
you know, win overs if they're if they've got some definite plans and motive there. Um, but I don't think I wouldn't go out for, to someone for just the sake of it. Mm-hmm. If they've called in and they're making inquiries, I'd make sure I'd, I'd email them with a comparable sale or something like that, just to give them give them something so they recognise that yes, I'm you've put in some I'm effort. putting some effort for you. But if it's not going to lead to anything, it's it's pointless for both myself and and that person. Yeah. So okay. Well, let's um let's go to that listing now. So yep. you, you've got that qualified person, and rather than three to six months, they they're going to put their house on the market in the next three to six yep. days. Yeah. What what does what does that look like for you now, Josh? You walk into to someone's land room. How does that presentation play itself out? More often than not. More often than not, I there's a question I always ask to to see what they like. A couple of questions: Have they sold in properties before? Mm-hmm. Um, how was their experience with those agents? Yes. And then what are you looking for in a real estate agent? Like, how are you going to select your agent? Yeah. And I think whatever the answers are to those questions, you can tailor your presentation or conversation mm-hmm. to suit their needs and work out, you know, what... You don't have to present the whole kit page by page and go through every point if it's not really relevant to them. So if they've had a bad experience with, let's say, premium marketing or they've paid all this money and they haven't got a result, then you can really tailor down no sell, no charge. Yes. Um, and you can you can look at that from whatever whatever angle you want to look at, but um, asking them what's important to them so you know what you can actually spend your time on and, and not just go through the presentation for the sake of it. And I think that's important for, for engagement when they're listening to, to me. So yep. does that make sense? What it I'm absolutely to say does. Yeah. No, absolutely it does. And I think that that telling that presentation and so making sure that people are aware that it's not a canned presentation yeah. that you're sitting there just, just flipping through it, like I like to say, like a pop-up children's yeah, book, exactly. like you're actually sitting there and, and using it as as a structure, as a memory trigger. And that's the idea of the listing presentation is to is to have a specific real yeah. estate conversation in a specific order, yet that deep dive, mm-hmm. those questions you talk about, tailors that conversation and, and the time you spend on each key it, ta- it tailors to, towards their expectations. Yep. So um, there's been presentations that I've gone to where I haven't used the kit because mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, we're selling, what do we have to do? And, but you have to bring the conversation back and set them up for what's next. So yes. sometimes it's more of a cementing the sale conversation because they've already hired you in their mind as your agent. So you, you've got to, you know, work out a couple points like you can bring out the kit but you don't have to go through page by page you, you focus on price or negotiation like if, if they've mentioned something to you in the past like then you can use it in that way as well yeah so i think it's a like you've said before it's a it's a toolbox like you can pull it out where you need it to pull out even as long as you get the business and yeah so how often do you not use a listening presentation kit or what percentage of time would you use it again just to give the listeners a perspective between 80 and 90% I would use it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Great. Ooh, it's not the other way. <laughs> <laughs> no. But right. so, yeah. So so yeah, 4 out of 5, you're yeah. you're sitting there with the listing presentation yeah. going through key points of yes. it. Yeah. 1 in 5 the you don't. Repeat business. Like yeah, okay. if I'm if or a referral like you know, if I've sold a house for someone they've come back to me to sell their other house, then I can just recap yeah. a couple points, but if you've yeah. got that trust there you don't need to go through the kit again like yeah. and i think when i was getting my gold badge and platinum badge absolutely like i would make sure i'd use everything but now that repeat business and, and referrals are coming into it and i can i've already got that trust there um, yes. that i've get, got a result for them or someone that they're um you know that they're close with it's you'd still go through the kit but it's 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 a bit different i mm-hmm. don't know how to explain that but yeah, it's, a, it's a bit different yeah so no 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 i i, I think i understand that. i think our listeners will, will get that as well so 
Let's um let's move into this this most recent twelve months. Um, what has been obviously a very interesting twelve months for a number of reasons. Um, obviously, COVID, which we which we opened the episode discussing, um, which is going to be ever present for the time being. The positive impact that has had on prices, like mm. real estate prices, and making it mm. such a, a seller's market. Um, but also interesting for the fact that you achieved your diamond badge, yeah. um, something you and I had discussed many a times of of the improbability of doing that in a service area like ours. I remember a number of times we were like, "Well, that's not possible in Ipswich because yeah. of our fees." Like, and yeah. they were so much lower than you know other diamond badges areas in, in the past. And um, so, so uh, again, just for the listener, just before, sorry, to Josh, to cut you off there, but a diamond badge, uh, you've got to tick two boxes to qualify for it. You've got to do at least 120 sides in a 12-month period, and you have to pull in a million dollars in gross commissions mm-hmm. uh, in that same 12-month period. So, Josh, our average fee at the beginning of that 12-month period was about ten and a half thousand dollars Yeah, yeah. So, what what we were looking at was about 190 to 200 sides in that 12 month mm. period. Um, the way our agency is and, and the, the, the age of our agency being that we're, we're approaching the 10 year mark this year, we we don't do subdivisions, unit comp, like, like we don't do these these mass developments that um, that other agents are mm. fortunate to do. And these things take two or three years to to crystallize and there's a lot of effort in them, but sometimes that's- It is a different mm. skill set. But, and so that was, so you were basically faced with, okay, if I'm gonna do this, I've got to deal with 200 almost mum and dads. Yes. So so talk us through that. Um, so this last 12 months, what what's that period been like for you? How did Diamond Badge sort of start to um, start to become a reality? I think it was never at the, like, if you look at the last 12 months, the first six months, it was never a focus. Okay. Like it wasn't a, this is what I'm going to do for the next 12 months. Let's go and do it. It was more of a, the market is good. Mm-hmm. Let's capitalize on it. Because after, I think we were only in a very downturn for probably two to three months like that it was yep. it was a hard slog yep. um, in our market and I, that's I, what I found six, anyway. six to eight weeks I always yep. talk about that that's about the, the roughest that we faced it was that sort of mid-March till the end of April and then come June you could uh, come May sorry last year you could you sniff, sniff the tide was, was changing back. yeah yeah. and we were like every month it was like oh that was good and then the month after that I was like that's better <laughs> and then it just kept like it was yeah it was a it was a fun time like yeah um, but the the first six months of that 12-month period, it was never a focus. Okay. Like, I can't say I really did anything different, mm-hmm. like consciously. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of there was more opportunities out there and the market was growing. And then about six months, I popped my head up and I was like, well, this is, you know, if I just replicate what I just did for the last yeah, yeah months, you'll do it again. You'd nearly like, nudged, I think at that time, the first six months, roughly, and I'm talking, you know, anecdotally here, but you'd nudged about 450000 in, in gross dollars over that six month period. Yeah. And so we thought, okay, hang on, maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe there is an opportunity here. So okay, so so belief belief came in. You yeah. started thinking, okay, this is this is something I can do. Self belief. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um that was a shift. Yeah. I I started to become a lot more confident and because I'd already done it, then mm-hmm. I I saw that I could do it again. Yeah. Um, and if I actually focused and obsessed about it and always thought about it, like it just that's all I thought about, like yeah. at that point. So um, would you say, and again, there's no right or wrong answer. Would you say it became a goal like, like an actual, or, or you just became obsessed by it? Or is that just a horse of a different color? Am I saying the same thing in two different ways? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, 
one, I wanted to be the first Iron Badger in Johnson Real Estate. Mm-hmm. That was that was key. Um, the income, yep, as well. Like it's pretty pretty healthy income, and I wanted to be recognised that with you know one of four, I think at that point um, when when I was setting that goal, that yes, I wanted to be level pegging with you. Adam McMahon's and Jessica Chase, like that was that was pretty special. Yes, like it, it really was. So um, that was a good driver, and I had good backing from home mm-hmm. and to say, look, go and do this. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is going to set us up really well. You know, the, the sacrifice there is sacrifice that comes with it, and not being at home for dinner and all that sort of thing. But um, you know, talk to me about that sacrifice. How did how did that conversation play out on the home front? Um, because my partner has a real estate background let's say that she understands how real estate, like how it works and coming into that relationship it was that was a that was very easy for us to for her to understand that it was a sacrifice so when i said look i'm gonna go and do this mm-hmm. can you help me it was like it was unquestionable like go and do it okay like, um there'd be nights where i wouldn't get home until nine ten o'clock at night but that's that's just a part of getting your diamond badge like there are sacrifices even platinum as well like it's there, yeah. there's sacrifices there you've got to understand that and be willing to do that mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was never a question never yeah. a question from home okay so, and i think if it was a question it wouldn't have been it, you wouldn't have been able to do it yeah okay so, that that friction wouldn't yeah, have allowed it yeah, yeah. okay so excellent it's a bigger picture like there's a bigger picture there you're doing this for yeah, I was doing it for for us and, and you know the family as well. Yeah, we live in a you know, really good house as a result from mm-hmm. from a diamond badge year. So there's the opportunities that come up then after the fact is pretty cool. Yeah, so. excellent, excellent. What do you um, what do you look back on over that twelve month period as, let's say your biggest real estate lesson over that twelve month period? And I know that's a question without notice, mm. but looking back on thinking about. Okay, this last twelve months, not not necessarily. Maybe it is what you did differently, what you didn't, what you stopped doing, what it is. But what's the biggest lesson that you took away that you hope to keep as part of your career? Let's frame it that way. What's something that you're going to take out of this out of this last twelve months and keep with you for the rest of your career moving forward? Honestly, complacency. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean by that? There, I have walked into listings thinking that I'm and not this business that I should have got yes that I haven't got because I've taken shortcuts since I've got my diamond badge yes and the thing is sellers don't care if you've got a diamond badge they're focused about what they're doing and what they want to do they don't care like they don't understand what that means so because it's of no relevance, it, no to, relevance them. to them whatsoever so you've got to you've got to remember that you're dealing with a person not just coming in and strutting out that you've done all the you know there's a in this market Every agent is, is doing that, saying, look how many houses we've sold and things like that, but actually sitting down and going through things in a, that, that that's important in this market. So That's a terrific answer, yeah. mate. That is a that is a really great that's a really great mm. point actually. I'm I'm wrapped that mm. that's that's the your takeaway from it because um because yeah, there is there's that complacency, that that's really interesting. So you're talking about there being less prepared than you should mm. be for presentations, not being as present yes. in them. Taking short, define a shortcut for me. Just a quick example of what you would think of a Not shortcut. Presenting. Not presenting. Not presenting. Okay. Thinking you've got it, and yeah. then fees an issue. Like yeah. That okay. Sort of thing, and then you go, oh, I missed this. So yeah. And then they go on the market and sell. Yes. So yeah. It's and there's people that I've been in touch with a long for a long time, mm-hmm. and by a long time I only mean like a couple of years, but and then I should like that should be business that we've got, but we don't have it. So yeah. Um. Yeah. It's interesting. 
Excellent. No, that's great. That's great. I think there'll be a lot of um, a lot of takeaways from uh, from our, our listeners on that, mate. Really, really appreciate that. I've often said about you. Um, one of the things that's impressed me from from the outset, I mean, I'm talking about from when you started as a mm. supporter, I've described you as a man of action. And what I mean by that is is you never stop moving, you never stop working, but you you do you seem to do it with a sense of urgency. Mm. Um, when I say to you sense of urgency, what does that mean to you? What what how do you translate or why do you think you do everything as much as you do it as quickly as you do it? Because if if you procrastinate like it will catch up with you and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you've got a million things to do and they're all urgent so if you can do if you can book the photographer now if you can call that so like if you can do that now Mm -hmm. get it over and done with Mm -hmm. get it over and done with and that's a part of time management as well so because if you're thinking about a phone call that you're going you have to make well there's a couple there if there's a couple not great phone calls and you're trying to prospect you're not going to be focused so if you can get it done earlier yeah that's important so yeah, okay clear clear that mental space mm-hmm. so you can you as a salesperson time. now it's i try to do my to-do list at the start of the day mm-hmm. so if i can if i can get those not so great conversations about contracts or building a pests or price you know reposition the price or something if you can get that out out of the road at the start of the day then it leaves you the rest of your day open to look at other stuff yeah like more positive stuff yeah so, excellent so to-do list there mm. that that's going to take me to the last part of this conversation i want to have with you and that's about time frames um there's no doubt you're a high performer when mm. it comes I, i'm interested in getting an insight from you what what time frame do you focus on and and let me clarify what i mean by that question do you do you go what am i getting out of today are you thinking in terms of weeks months quarters annually where, where are you I know you've mm. got two year, three year, five year goals. I know all those things, but what time frame do you most consciously obsess about, think about? What are you focused on? A month and week. A month so and week. A month and week. So what I mean by that is my targets for a month. Mm-hmm. I'll set them out, whatever whatever they look like. Um, yeah, so I'd listing sales. But then I'll break it up per week. So how many listings do I need to get that week, sales that week, sides that week. So break it up like that because... I've, I think I've got pretty high targets and at the start of the month, I know I'm on nothing and nothing right now because I've been on, on leave and all of a sudden there's the, that whiteboard pressure, but I will break it up into how many listings I'm going to get this week. So I'm hyper aware of what I can get done that week and not yes. get overwhelmed by the, the month in general because, you know, as I said, you've got to take it day by day and, and week by week, I guess. Yeah. So that's how I'd break it up. And I know if I do enough good weeks then my quarter will be good and my, my year will be good. So Okay, excellent. So it's a monthly focus, but weekly action plans. If weekly you will, action right? plans, yeah. yeah. okay. And not so much, maybe not even now that they're written down all the time, but they're mm-hmm. something that I think about all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, okay, excellent. No, that's great. I just I just thought that would be an interesting insight. Mm. So, mate, yeah, really, thanks for um, thanks for just sharing sort of that journey with us and and the different mindsets. I I really do hope our listeners get get a lot from that. I'm I'm certain that they will, mate. So, thank, <laughs> thank you, mate. That's great. That was great.
And lastly, as always, I just want to finish up with, um, you know, letting you know what's available coming up to you in terms of our services with the Winner's Circle and specifically the Winner's Circle hotline. So you can call our hotline anytime. Um, the number is obviously on our website. That is thewinnerscircle.realestate. And if you're a member of the Winner's Circle, you can jump on there and call and you're going to get um, great real estate salespeople, leaders from all across the country. And uh, look, I was actually, I just wanted to share a couple of things with, with you as the audience from this last week, this last seven days, I've actually been lucky enough to be on the, um, on the hotline. And uh, I just wanted to give two quick examples of phone calls I got just to explain why I, I thought they were both excellent calls. Um, and they really might seem trivial, but I just wanted to explain to you guys why I think that that service is there. I was contacted uh, by a, a new sales recruit um, who works uh, in, uh, in New South Wales, and he's just finding as part of his prospecting, he's coming across a lot of ready to go buyers mm. and he's like what do i do with these buyers what like, should i pass them on the team should i be qualifying them all and he's just getting you know not in a bad way but getting a bit wrapped around the axles yeah. so he was just after an outsider's perspective on what he should be doing so the advice i gave him is is not important but the fact that he had that challenge he identified that this is taking up a portion of my time should it be should it not and if it should be in what form should that take? So I think that's a great example of, of a really simple phone call you can make. Another one I had was um, was a lady from Victoria and, uh, and she actually really, again, a really good point. She, 12 months ago, she started her career right at the beginning of COVID. And during that time, they were, as much as they possibly could, going out and seeing people. So because when she very first started, you couldn't physically see anyone. So she was doing a lot of prospecting over the phone, getting a lot of contacts, but then she made a plan to go and visit a lot of these people. My understanding is to a degree, she's inadvertently trained these people that she'll go out and see them when they're not necessarily doing anything with real estate. So she's like, okay, now that I'm transitioning into the next one of my career, we're much like yourself, Josh, I'm time poor now. I'm not getting as much done. Like I, I need to get more time. How do I now handle these people? And again, the advice, the conversation we have, that's not what's important here. It's just, they're the type of things that the challenges that you guys face in the field every single day. And it might be about a specific contract you can't get over the line. You've got to understand the person at the other end of the phone is going to love to talk to you about real estate. They're going to love to give you some perspective and, and hopefully some good advice. And uh, if you don't think it's good advice, don't follow it. That's that's the great thing about advice. But that, that asset is there. And, and I don't want you to think, oh, you're going to be judged or it's a silly thing to ask about. Absolutely not. Anyone at the other end of that phone is going to be, um, is going to be wrapped to hear from you and, and, and nut out um, any problem that, that your challenge that, that you're facing. We've got the same goal. What's that? Exactly the same goal. Get results, help people. Yeah. That's that's what we want to do. So um, and and yeah. So so those people who can help you out over the next five weeks, and we're just going to discuss them quickly here. We've got Thomas Som from First National Waverley City. So Thomas Son, great salesperson in his own right, runs a very successful agency. Jessica Chea, who you mentioned before, Jessica Chia, sorry, um, one of our first diamond badges as well. So she works uh, with Thomas and is also married to him. On <laughs> so be uh, awkward if she worked for the competition, but um, he runs a great team there. So he's available on the hotline this month, as is Tim Altaz from Altaz Real Estate here in uh, in Brisbane. Tim's been in real estate um, for a, an exceptionally long period of time, has a wealth of knowledge there. 
We've got Chris Pisani from Johnson Real Estate Winner Manly there to help you as well. Um, Chris runs a very successful team in the, the Winner Manly region, obviously, um, but a salesperson as well. Uh, back in the day, Chris, actually, I worked alongside Chris when I was back um, when we were both salespeople. Barry McEntee from First National Goldburn. I was going to say from episode three of this podcast, but he's also from First National Goldburn. But um, if you haven't listened to Barry's interview that we did or discussion that we did on episode three. It's very good. Yeah, go, ch- very good. go check that out. Um, and lastly, we also have Jeff Cannon also from Johnson Real Estate at the Redlands. So Jeff, Barry, Chris, Tim and Thomas all there to help you with um, with your, your real estate challenges. And um, we um, we welcome your phone call anytime. You know, I don't care if it's the weekend. I don't care if it's nighttime. Whatever, give the hotline a call. Someone's going to call you back. They're going to help you nut out your problem. And as you said, Josh, we've all got the same goal there. Exactly. Yeah, mate. I really do. Um, I thank you for your time. Thank I you, really mate. appreciate it's it. It's been fun. It has been fun. It's mm. been great. And um, I once again just want to, you know, mate, congratulate you on on your success in your career to date. I know uh, you're only just getting warmed up and started, yeah. but um, yeah, really looking forward to uh, to seeing where you go from here. But uh, on behalf of everyone at the Winner Circle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, mate. Awesome. See you, mate. Ooh, ah.